What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Ask LFC podcast. My name is Harrison Gilming. I'm the Worship Arts Director here at Lake Forest Huntersville, and I'm sitting down today with... What's up, guys? My name's Andrew Ruth. I am the Missio Day Pastor here at Lake Forest Church. Dude, thank you for joining on the podcast, Andrew. How are you doing today, man? Man, I'm doing great. It's been a while since I was on here, and I think it was almost a year ago, right after I started, that we jumped on this podcast together, so I'm glad to be back. Have you have you been on for almost a year? Fourteen here? months now. What, dude? I have a time problem <laughs> apparently because that is that is wild to me. Um, well, dude. Well, I mean, it feels like it, it feels like you are are uh, just familiar and part of the thing around here. So it feels like it can't possibly have been that long, but it also feels like you've been here for ten years. So it's it's a good place to be. Yeah, ditto. I think that's the best about, you know, all of things. I know you celebrated an anniversary yesterday, and people yep. always ask me about my wife. We've been married um, 13 years. We'll be 14 uh, next year. And so just the sense of it feels like yesterday, like I feel like it's brand new, and yep. yet at the same time I can't remember not being married to her. Like it's both and. That's exact. That's exactly how it feels. You be. It feels like you've always been around, Andrew. So. Um, well, hey, there's a couple things we're going to talk about on the podcast today. Um, we're going to hear... Uh, in just a little bit from uh, Andrew, we're going to talk a little bit about Mike's sermon on Sunday and some ways that we can apply that in life. We're also going to, uh, uh, within that same vein, a little bit uh, recap a little bit of what's been going on uh, over the summer with some of our Missio Day team, some of the things that we've been doing. But first, Andrew, I want to talk about one specific thing, and they're all different, that I have loved about the past three Sunday mornings here at Lake Forest Church. And you can chime in with me as we remember back. So three weeks ago, let me tell you the thing that I loved. Um, <clears throat> three weeks ago, I was not here. I was, uh, I was gone uh, away at a baseball tournament with my oldest in Virginia that ended up not being a great trip. He broke his arm bad, had to have surgery. Anyways, the thing I loved about that Sunday um, for me is... I love that we have a uh, a team of, uh, for me, looking on my side of things, that we have a team of uh, worship leaders and a team of ministry partners that make up our worship and band teams that um, it's just like so full of people that uh, have really been called by God to do this and they have this desire that it's not uh, just the, the Harrison show every Sunday where I'm singing all the songs and doing, doing all the dances. Uh, we have such talented and awesome people and Danny Odell, uh, helped lead that Sunday. So that's what I loved about three Sundays ago. Yeah. And that kind of carries through the last couple Sundays. I mean, the next Sunday was remix takeover and there was really cool things about it, but mm-hmm. you didn't have to lead worship at all. I mean, you played guitar, but just filler guitar in the it was, back. It was fun. You were a sit in musician, um, a studio guy. And then, uh, even last week, you sang a couple songs and helped you know guide and direct the band, but you were able to pass lead around a lot because there are people who are hungry to develop their gifts and are putting in the time and the effort and seeking out mentors uh, to train them up in worship leadership or just any any piece of their gift that they want to grow in. And we believe a lot. You see it modeled all over our stage in the worship and in the teaching team, Andrew, with you guys is... Um, <clears throat> God has gifted so many people around here and and um, called them, given them a desire to serve, given them a talent to serve in such different ways. And when we see 
we see Mike Moses, you, Jeff Cook, Cammy Howard, uh, Mike Hall a couple weeks ago for Remix Takeover, and uh, Aaron Gibson, Terrell Huntley rotating in every now and again. We have uh, like a myriad of voices that we hear from, but there's such a strength in that because there's just a different uh, angle and aspect that each one of you guys bring when you preach. So we, we just believe in that all across the board, I think. Yeah, and if you haven't checked out, there was a great podcast a month and a half, two months ago. It was in the summer about why we are team teaching church and why Mike's leading into that. And I can't recommend it enough to you. Yeah. So then, yeah, so you already named it. Uh, two weeks ago, Remix Takeover. Awesome. Watching um, watching a bunch of students all over our campus get a chance to uh, serve our church, to lead our church in worship, to greet people at the doors. I loved just standing in the back and playing like you mentioned. It was awesome. What did you love from your seat in the house about the Remix Takeover Day? I think the best part of Remix Takeover from my experience, just what I loved, what was compelling, what was uh, catalytic in my life was hearing the story from Lauren Cunningham and Ava and mm-hmm. their relationship of discipleship and, and Lauren being proactive and asking Ava if she could disciple her and invest in her and even using that language um, was really brave on Lauren's part and you could see the fruit on stage by the way they played off each other even in front of a camera which can be a little awkward if you're not on it a lot but they you could tell the depth of relationship there and then getting to watch uh, Mike Hall and his interview uh, with our friend Nikki and just seeing uh, what got done in Nikki's life and hearing those stories of Disciples who make disciples who make disciples was really a um, great recall back to the fundamentals of what we do as followers of Jesus, that, you know, disciples follow Jesus and they teach other people to follow Jesus. Um, And that's kind of what it means. And then um, I feel like God's been doing that a lot over the last few Sundays, just calling us back to the the basics, to bedrock, that our our great mission is to make more and better disciples. Um, And then one of the practical ways we lived that out was what Mike was covering last Sunday and when he was talking about those rhythms of uh, Sabbath and Mm -hmm. attentiveness to God. To that point, uh, Andrew, I loved this last Sunday as we're sitting down to record this on a Wednesday. This was three days ago. And, um, man, I just, a couple things I appreciated just personally, um, as much as I love, uh, taking a Sunday to be with my family and watching baseball, as much as I love a Sunday of playing guitar in the back. Um, I legitimately love, uh, getting to lead our church in worship. And whenever I've been gone from doing that for a couple weeks, I feel like just like itching to get back. So it feels very much at home uh, for me, just being back and leading our church and just being able to stand where I get to stand on the stage. I feel so um, just, we all have a, a part of the body that we're called to be. And I'd feel very fortunate that in my part, I just get to stand and see in real time across the room, um, people having uh, an experience and an encounter with God and literally being able to watch the Holy Spirit move in a place is just such a, it's such a unique gift and I'm very thankful for it. I'm also, uh, really thankful to sit under, uh, the teaching week in and week out of Mike Moses and you and Jeff and Cammie and Mike, uh, had a great sermon Sunday kicking off, uh, this series called Flourish that Andrew just touched on. I want to share 
a real quick, uh, there's a part in this in the middle that I thought summed it up really well that Mike talked about. And then Andrew, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts and reactions to the sermon Sunday. Mike talked about human flourishing and he talked about some ways that we flourish and some questions that we have to ask and answer to, to diagnose Am I am I doing this the right way? So he talked about some ways that we flourish. He said, number one, in our mental and physical health, the question is, can I do the things that are important to me? Am I able to do the things that are important? Number two, meaning and purpose. Am I contributing to the flourishing and well-being being of others? Number three, character and virtue. Do I act in a way that promotes the good in all circumstances? These are Questions we ask to, fig- to, to, to figure out where we're flourishing in our lives. Close social relationships. Are my social relationships supportive and rewarding? The fifth thing, financial stability. Do I worry about meeting my basic needs or paying my bills? And then the last one was our religious and spiritual health. And Mike shared a crazy stat that only 17% of Americans seem to be flourishing in all these areas. So if you feel like there's some of those where you're like totally missing on that, don't worry. You're in the 83% of us <laughs> that are like trying to still figure some of this out. So what struck you out of all that on Sunday, Andrew? Yeah, I thought that was really good. What was beautiful about that, and Mike points it out, is that came from a non-religious, non-religiously affiliated researcher just trying to understand what contributes to human flourishing and uh, those questions being just profound. Do I can, am I able to do the things that are important to me? Um, do I worry about having resources uh, for my family? And then maybe on that last one, that religious question, um, my religious and spiritual health. If I were to put it in there, am I am I a, conscious of God's presence hmm. and activity and love in my hmm. life, like <laughs> regularly? Like, do I have a conscious engagement with that? Not just a latent belief in those things but is it uh active and am i aware of it do i sense it am i attentive to it and that's where mike went in that sermon and i think the thing that was really profound in many ways uh, from the sermon was how small the things are that contribute to my human flourishing that I tend, they they tend to be these mountains I have to climb, and they get overwhelming, and I don't take any steps because I don't know how to get there. I don't know how to solve all six of those problems. Hmm. Like when I'm in that seventeen, when I'm in that eighty three percent, the move from unhealth to health or from shriveling to flourishing just seems, you know, enormous, un, un untouchable. And yet the sermon was really about some really basic things that over time contribute to human flourishing. And the, the phrase that's been running around my head since we've been talking about this sermon series is this idea that in 20 years my life will either be a forest or a desert, hmm. um, that my finances will either be a forest or a desert. In 20 years my marriage will either be a forest or it will be a desert, that it will either uh, grow and flourish or it will shrivel and dry up. And they the the difference between the forest and the desert is not just one event. It's not it's hmm. it's days and days and days of tending it and cultivating it and in, and playing the long game through small small acts of faithfulness in the same direction. And that was profound. You know, when he started talking about Sabbath and essentially uh, you know just private uh, time with the Lord, just personal engagement with God. 
those things can seem so basic. I've been doing those things now for, you know, 25 years, something like that, uh, that sometimes I want to, my flesh, my um, arrogance wants to roll my eyes. And then as I just humbled myself, I realized you're right. Like you're a hundred percent right. Like it, it is those things that sustain us even when I feel dry. Um, I think that one of the reasons <clears throat> that God uh, in his goodness allows us to become parents is that uh, our, our kids sometimes give us a window into ourselves in ways that I don't quite see myself clearly, but I see in my kids, uh, you know, one of my kids going through a tough season and, and the the answer and the way through it seems so obvious from the outside. And I see my, my kid being impatient and they want it to get better right now. And everything is right now. It's right now to right now to right now to right now. And the, the most important thing is what's happening in this moment and us trying to, you know, in our great wisdom as parents trying to coach and be like, you know, it's, it's just like, uh, it's just like, getting better at a sport, being a baseball player, right? If you want to become great, it's not having one really great practice session. You're like, I did it. I, I, I solved baseball. I'm, I'm perfect at it now. Um, it is days, uh, months, years of specific working out, making decisions to, to partner with this team or this coach or these friends to go throw. And you stack all these things up over time. You try to you know, so we try to explain it to our kids like that. And you always have this moment as a parent where you like, as you're saying something out loud, you feel that deep sense of like, kind of like insight slash shamed conviction of like, oh man, that's for me too. Shoot. <laughs> like, yeah, I totally kids, see that towards myself in this moment. Yeah, I, I am still a spiritual toddler in my relationship with God. I relate to God as my kids relate to me more often than not. If, if my kids are exhibiting some behavior that annoys me or I might even call problematic, often my wife and I will ask, how often do we do that towards God? How often do I act this way and, towards my Father in Heaven? And the answer is daily. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of what I was thinking about when, we were, when you invited me to do this podcast. I think so often... Um, the mission of God gets siloed to just mission trips. Uh, and the way I think about mission is, is so much bigger than that. And so how even we conceive of what the Missio Dei is, we use that Latin language to remind ourselves that this is much bigger than trips. It's even much bigger hmm. than the church, yeah. uh, that this is God's mission to the world. And it, informs everything we do or it can inform everything we do and so wanted to take a minute and just think about how I um, personally just respond to sermons like we're talking about right now when those things when I'm sitting in worship the last three Sundays and God is moving through through music and testimony and story and scripture and sermons and prayer how do I act upon that how do I live that out because the great temptation is to come to worship, get warm and fuzzies, to get mm -hmm. excited about something and then not act upon it. And the reality is that willingness, my enthusiasm and my willingness to act is an expirable commodity. It has a half-life of, yep. you know, an hour 
And so I leave worship. I have about an hour of, I'm real. oh yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. After lunch, I'm probably going to do that after a nap. After a nap, I can barely remember what it was, so I might do that when I remember it. Mm-hmm. And then by Monday morning, I'm kind of back in the place that I was if I don't kind of codify that. And so um, I think about this as just how do I apply the the message on God's mission um, every week? How do I apply? Because worship is both the goal of mission. Um, one theologian once said that like missions exist because worship doesn't, mm-hmm. and so mission is to extend God's worship to every corner of the world. Um, but it's also the motivator for mission. It's the 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 it's the beginning and the end of mission. Um, that I begin by being being reminded how good God is and how much I desperately need Him, and that motivates me. That compels me um, to share God's goodness to to invite others into worship of God, and then. The goal of that is that they too would worship, and we would. My worship would be better because now it involves people I love, um, hmm. or, or now have fallen in love with. And I kind of think about that. Um, the application first and foremost using um, stuff Mike Moses taught me a while ago, and he just reviewed on this podcast not too long ago when he was talking about scriptures that Lake Forest was founded upon, and one of those being Acts one eight. Um, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And I th- and and Mike taught me that when I was probably eighteen, nineteen years old. I'm thirty eight now, so I have twenty years of thinking about that verse. And Mike used to teach it in kind of concentric circles. Yep. Me, Jerusalem, Judea being kind of the state. Jerusalem is a city. Judea is kind of a state. Samaria is the Next state over that's cross-cultural, and then finally to the ends of the earth. And so we'd kind of think outward. And for me, that's been really important to think that way. So uh, when I listen to a sermon like Sunday morning about attentiveness to God daily and worship with God's community weekly, the first most important question is, what is God asking me to do? What is And and ask can be a shooting word. It can be an aughting, a shame-inducing word. Often I'll say, what is God inviting me to do? Because Hmm. all of God's commands are really invitations into intimacy. So what is God inviting me into? And Hmm. and where do I need to change this week? So I usually just start with me. That's the most important. And that's that beginning of Acts 1-8. You will receive power um, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Um, That I need to think about me before I start thinking about Judea or Jerusalem. So so as you... um Give me give me a, a, an example of this in real time, then Andrew. So this last, like you mentioned, this last Sunday, uh, Mike was talking about um, how do we how do we make sure we're planting ourselves where God wants us to be planted? Where are we putting our roots? What rhythms and practices are we committing to? So as you sit uh, here in service on Sunday three days ago, um, you know what kinds of things by the time. Mike is done and you're walking out the doors. What are some of the types of things that in your mind you have kind of made a, a, a new commitment to like, hey, you know what? That's a good reminder this week I should do it. Or how do you approach it? Yeah, how did you approach really, it for this week? Yeah, because Mike asked us very intentionally to take the last song and the last three songs to really ask God, ask God the Holy Spirit, how am I supposed to appropriate this message? And so for me, I'm just talking, this is not um, comparative. It's It's more confessional. I find that uh, the best way I can teach people how to do something is not tell them how to do it, but just share what I'm doing and if they mm-hmm. and, and and encourage them to find their own rhythms. And so, um, 
I think about me and then, and for me personally, I have been, God's been calling me to this doubling down, this re-emphasis, this re-engagement and this re-falling in love with, um, personal time with the Lord early in the morning and before going to bed. And hmm. I hate mornings. Like I, the worst part of my day is waking up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like I can't, the, I just don't, I'm not very good at it. I'm, I, I hate waking up. It's hard for me to wake up. I have to drink a pot of coffee. Um, and so, uh, what that looks like for me is Jack started school today. And so our mornings have shifted even earlier. They were already early during the summer. Our rhythm is he gets up about six 45, um, is when he can come downstairs. And so if I want quiet time with the Lord, I've got to get up before him. And so that means I've got to get up about five 30 to give myself the five 45 before my feet actually get down to stairs. And then it takes me 10 to 15 minutes to make coffee and to just walk around the island of the kitchen table and talk myself out of getting in the recliner. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then I sit down. And so uh, for me, uh, when Jack went back to school, that all shifts up. So now we have to get up at five so that I have, because mm-hmm. he gets up at five to six. Yep. And to just get 20 to 30 minutes. And for me in the morning, it's, like Mike said, it, it really is obedience and importance. Even it, it's not yet enjoyment at 5 a.m. It hurts to have quiet time, if I'm honest. Like, I know it's important and that I can tell the difference, but it's not. Claire, my wife, will tell you, like, she's over there having, like, you know, hot tea with Jesus and communion. And, and she's having, she gets done and she's like, it was so great. God was right here. He was doing all that. And she's like, how was it for you? And I was like, I spent the last 30 minutes begging Jesus to make me nice before Jack wakes up. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, Jesus help. Jesus help. Um, yeah. So for me, it's it's doubling down on quiet times. And so we did that. And then the second thing that came up as I, we prepare for Sunday, uh, Sunday we're going to be talking about um flourishing in a digital age i've been thinking about that um i did some new stuff this week of not carrying my cell phone into my bedroom so Hmm. just not using it in my bed and it changes the way i go to sleep and the way i wake up Um, i've realized that blue light is both i knew blue light kind of prevents you from going to sleep but i haven't realized how much i use blue light and a glowing rectangle to wake myself up to force myself back into the waking world yep yep um that is actually harder for me to wake up without looking at my phone um, and that's not how I want to live. Like I want to be able to just wake up and engage the world without having to hmm. get a dose of blue light. Yep. Um, hmm. And so I left my phone downstairs and that changes my entire bedtime routine because I can't do any doom scrolling. I can't read the news. All I can read a, meta, a, a physical book right next to my room or I can grab my Bible and I actually have to attend to God. It forces me in a whole different <clears> way <throat> from the time I walk upstairs to take a shower and brush my teeth and get in bed. All there is to do is be attentive to God. Hmm. Like it's either that or I make up stuff in my head to do. Like there's nothing like I don't have anything to distract myself with. And so it makes easy. It makes it a lot easier to practice what Mike was talking about. And if I do the same thing, I leave my phone on the charger until after I've had quiet time. I'm either going to talk to God or I'm going to sit really bored. Yeah. Like there's not a whole lot <laughs> sure. of options yep. and that yep. may sound ridiculous, but for centuries, this is how Christians have started and mm-hmm. ended their days yep. for, for as long as it could be those even all the way back to like Deuteronomy six, um, specifically mentions when it says you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. The very next thing it does is it, it advises parents to, 
um, you shall talk about, you shall impress these things upon your children. You shall talk about them. And then the first things it mentions is when you lie down and when you wake up, when you sit and eat and when you go along the road. And so it specifically mentions four places, um, morning, evening, like waking up, going to bed as holy times that we're soft, that we, that our souls are just naturally soft to God. Um, and then eating together, and then finally, uh, while we're traveling, and I feel like that's a lot of times when I'm wanting to distract myself with blue light, and so when I, and not just blue light, I'm using that to not attack any, you know, because screen time's a little bit too personal um, for kids, and mm-hmm. um, and I and I'm I'm in this lesson with you guys, and so for me it was I've sure. got to put my phone away before I go upstairs. That was just one application, so that I'm better attentive to God. And then um, I'm going to keep worshiping on Sundays. But then the second one was um, I start to think about, okay, as a dad and as a husband, how do I help my family implement this? I worship with my family here at Lake Forest, as most of you know. And my wife is sitting with me in church. And so how do I help her implement this? How can I be a um, an asset to her, an ally to her in her spiritual development? And how can I be a catalyst to my children and their spiritual development? If these rhythms are vital to their flourishing at every age of life, if I love them, I will help them do them. And so um, we, Claire and I get up and have quiet time at the same time. And so we just, I gave my wife permission to beat me in the morning, you know, to kick me, to push me, to knock me out of bed, to throw cold water on me, um, not to make fun of, of beating on that. I, I, I just meant she can push me um, or help me get out of bed. Give you a little, little gentle nudge. And so I, and she helps me more in the mornings uh, in a real way. And so I gave her permission. And then the second was uh, we're finishing the nights with that question that Leighton Ford and his wife did of like, where did you see God today? Hmm. Uh, and we're just trying, we're just trying that out for the week, you know, 10 minutes. Um, I'm exhausted at night most of the times. And so I always want to go to bed. And so it, it can be difficult for me to just, double down and said no but this is really important we're going to teach each other we're going to talk about this i want to know what god's doing in my wife's life and so i think about mm-hmm. my family with my kids um we do that with jack by asking the simple question before bed what do you want to thank god for today hmm. that's just the he, he before his prayers we ask three simple questions what do you want to thank god for today uh, what do you want to ask god for and who do you know who's sick that we need to pray for um and so we just, those three questions every single night to just teach him that he lives in a God-saturated world. Hmm. And then in the morning, he wakes up, and I have my quiet time. He comes down and usually either finds me asleep um, with my journal in front of me and my Bible open, or he finds me awake trying to have a quiet time. Sure. <laughs> and then he watches, Just this is just a tip for families, um, he's still eight. It's hard for him to do like super cerebral devotional time, reading the Bible. We do that more at night. We read <clears throat> in the morning. He gets 15 minutes of um, screen time devotional. Uh, we use one right now called um, Family Moments on hmm. YouTube. Cool. That's really good. It's just a simple object lesson, kind of an old school church kids lesson if you remember if you ever went to a big steeple church that had like a children's sermon in the middle of it it really is just that but on (laughs) youtube and we watch that it's the first thing he does when he comes downstairs he comes downstairs he grabs the tv remote he turns it on he watches one youtube video that is a jesus devotion and then the tv goes off we eat breakfast we get ready for school and that's just our attempt at it is it the best way i don't know i have no idea it's just what we're trying right now um and and again that's me trying to live out a message in my own life, but then start to live it on mission. And the primary mission of mission field of my life is my family. Hmm. Um, 
if I succeed in Rwanda and fail in my home, then that's that's a, that is in many ways a failure because mm. God has entrusted these people to me. Yep, um, they are what one pastor calls my ministry responsibilities. Everything else is a ministry opportunity. Hmm. Um, like good. he literally gave me these kids to be their missionary father. He hmm. gave me this wife to be a missionary husband. And I don't know what that means. I'm just trying my best to figure it out. But I want to think that way every time and then think that way even into my extended family and then in my office space. Um, and then from there, I start to think about how do I help catalyze this at church? And some of that is by teaching it. Some of that was coming on this podcast today and just giving – Simple, practical things. We get up in the morning. Uh, we try. If you hate it, welcome to the club. It <laughs> does, you don't have to like it for it to be good for you. Um, and what I'm learning is that I actually, my wife has been encouraging me to just pray. Hey, God, I want you. To, I want to be hungry for this. I want to. Rem- like I believe time with you is the most valuable thing for me and the most satisfying. Yep. Will you remind me of that? Will you make me hungry for mornings? God, will you give me a desire for morning time with you? Like, I, I can't imagine God doesn't want to answer that prayer. Hmm. Um, like, hey, God, will you make me excited to get up? He hasn't yet, but I'm praying it. And I invite <laughs> you guys to join me in it. That's awesome. Well, <clears throat> um, I'm going to close with a thought here. But before I do, and I'll let this be the last thing. Number one, uh, Andrew, thanks for jumping on and sharing some stuff, man. You, what you What you just said reminded me of uh, this passage. So I'm going to read this and let this be our conclusion this morning. It's been a passage from uh, James. We just got through, spent some time in James that's been an encouragement to me, especially as you're talking about, Andrew, approaching Sundays, not just as a, um, not not in a similar way to go into a seminar about working out and then never actually going to the gym. Doesn't do a lot for you to know how to work out. You have to go do the work like you're talking about. Um, so let me close with this thought. Uh, from James, and this will be our wrap-up. James chapter 1, 23 to 25 says this. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever intently looks into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Yeah, that's just the reality of it. And so I just want to encourage you guys um, with every message, with every um, podcast to ha- to try to formulate uh, something you're going to try. Like you're not committing for the whole life and it, it may uh, work really, really well. And it may be something that works for a season and then kind of fades. But what am I going to, what am I going to adopt in an attempt to obey this and a faithful attempt to obey what I've been learning um, as opposed to just, you know, the other default for me a lot of times is to think about so-and-so who really needs to hear this message, um, which I actually think is a, as a work of the devil. And because what he's done is God didn't bring so-and-so here to listen to this message. God yeah. brought me here That's to right. listen to this message. Yeah. And I'm not listening because I'm so focused <laughs> on the other person and they're not listening because they're not here. Yeah. And so the message <laughs> goes nowhere and accomplishes very, very little. And so, um, I think that's it. 
do not, you know, the old King James says, um, do not be hearers of the word, but be ye doers. Be ye doers. Be ye doers. And so that just is a cool way to think about it. So thanks, guys. Y'all have a great one. God bless you. And we will see you um, on the Sabbath.